0: This is an attempt to make sense and understand an ongoing debate. We are aware that we cannot cover the entire conversation, nor can we truly comprehend the experiences of those affected by stolen cult- cultural property. This podcast is part of a Postcolonial Fury seminar, and we are open to criticism and debate. You can email us at stolenartpostcolonial at gmail.com.
1: Hello and welcome to our one-time podcast discussing the topic of looted art from a post-colonial perspective. It is the outcome of a seminar project at Freie Universität Berlin. My name is Sebastian, and I'll be moderating today. With me are Victoria and Gesa.
2: Hi,
3: I'm Victoria. And I'm Gesa.
1: We'll be discussing on the mic today while Jannika Brenner and Anna are supporting us behind the scenes. Now, let us turn towards the topic. Why do we want to talk about looted art? Many of us go to museums listening to audio guides which guide us through the exhibitions by giving us detailed facts about the exhibits. However, hardly ever they tell the story about how, for instance, art pieces from the African continent made it to the capitals of Western Europe. Our aim is to give a voice to the silenced, to raise attention to stories which would otherwise remain untold. One of the common misconceptions is to think that this is only relevant in places such as the British Museum in London. However, Germany had colonies too, and it is in Berlin um, where since the past year at the Humboldt Forum, a museum for supposedly everyone, is being built. It will largely feature collections from different cultures and regions of the world, many of them from former colonies. The debate on quite a few of these items, especially how they made their way into this German museum, is heated and complex. Not only does it confront Germany with its colonial history, but also touches on questions of power relations and restitution. And in the following we hope to shed some light on those issues. So without further delay, let's dive right in.
0: One cannot separate the fate of African art from the fate of African people. In other words, from the fate of Africa itself. M. Césaire, Lecture on African Art, Dakar, Senegal, 1966.
1: Today we talk about looted art from a post-colonial perspective. However, before we begin with the discussion, I believe it is important to have some background information at hand. So, Victoria, maybe you can start. How can looted art be defined and what makes this topic so controversial?
2: So, when we speak about looted art, we're generally referring to items storing during times of war or occupation by the occupying force or country. In Germany, we mostly talk about this issue in two contexts. It is either the Nazi blundering of art, which was formerly in the possession of Jewish citizens and other people persecuted by the Nazis. In this case, a state stole from its own citizens. Or it is the looting of art by the Soviet Union in the aftermath of World War Two, which is still a negotiation between Russia and Germany today. Looted art from former colonies is a topic receiving a lot less public attention although the debate has become more visible to the building of the Humboldt Forum and Emmanuel Macron's announcement in November 2017 in Burkina Faso to return looted art from French museums. The latter can, to a certain extent, be considered as a turning point as restitution was a rare occasion in the past. Up until today, European museums have been ignoring this issue and provenance research has been chronically underfunded. Following his speech, Macron commissioned a report on the restitution of African heritage in France, which was written by the Senegalese scholar Felvin Saar and the French art historian Benedict Savoy. Even though this report is novel in terms of the international traction, it gains, it is not new terms of findings. Restitution is a must.
1: Thank you for giving us a little bit of context, Vittoria. Now, Gesa, let me turn towards you. Could you tell us a little bit more about what kind of art and items we're actually talking about?
3: So you already hinted at it. In many cases, we are not talking only about art in the sense of a purely aesthetic item. In fact, many transcend this category like any type of art, like the world famous Benin bronze, which were taken by the British from present day Nigeria and are partly exhibited in Hamburg at the moment. On the one hand, they are artworks, but on the other hand, they also carry a religious meaning. The same applies to others, such as everyday use items or even human remains. The German government has no official numbers on such items in German museums, stemming from questionable sources. However, there exist 15 ethnographic museums in Germany today, which control administratively, legally, and pedagogically more than five million objects from Africa, Asia, Oceania, and the Americas. Even though funding for provenance research has increased recently, it is by no means sufficient to bring light to the origins of all of these artifacts. Furthermore, Jürgen Zimmerer, a research expert from Hamburg, pointed out that this research should be executed by independent researchers, including experts from the Global South.
1: Right. So I guess when we speak, speak about looted art, we, as a consequence, also need to speak about Germany's colonial history. And this is a topic which is still hardly, if at all, covered in German school classrooms, let alone German society. It would therefore be vital for the discussion if you could elaborate on the extent and the harm caused by German colonialism before we move forward.
3: Sure, and you're right. Even though relatively short in the time span, German colonialism was a lot more prominent and worse in its impact than most people, especially within Germany, might think. When hearing about European colonial powers, the first countries that come to mind are France and the UK. But by 1914, Germany had the third biggest colonial empire. Germany's colonial ambitions started at the end of the 19th century and were only brought to an abrupt stop by the Treaty of Versailles in 1920 when Germany lost all of its overseas properties as a result of losing the war. Despite this quite short time frame, Germany acquired lands in southwest, east and central Africa as well as in the Pacific, which today belong to Namibia, Togo, Ghana, Cameroon, Kenya, Rwanda, and New Guinea.
1: What do you mean by acquiring lands?
3: So the German colonists were seizing land. They concluded so-called purchase agreements with the indigenous rulers that the latter often even couldn't read. And of course, the injustices didn't end there. In all of German colonies, the indigenous population was exploited and discriminated against and in almost every aspect of life. They were forced to work, adapt and convert to the superior German culture, where resistance was brutally quelled. The situation reached its climax with the Herero and Namaka genocide in German Southwest Africa, present-day Namibia, in the beginning of the 20th century, during which more than 120,000 Herero, Namas and San were killed by the German oppressor. Even though the German government officially called it a genocide, it has, up until today, refused to pay any reparations. This is something every German should keep in mind when discussing restitutions. And due to the fact that none of this really features in the public discourse, Jürgen Zimmerer even talks about colonial amnesia in Germany today.
1: So take into account this general colonial amnesia in Germany. Who's been playing a role in this sometimes controversial discussion about looted art up until now then?
2: Hmm. There are many people from academia, activism and politics who label themselves post-colonial and just engage in the topic of looted art worldwide as well as in Germany. In this context, it is important to note there is no such a thing as one post-colonial theory. Apart from discussing the unjust stealing of artifacts in the colonial time, post-colonial theorists and activists also focus on the impact these crimes have on the post-colonial world and therefore including us up until today.
1: So what are the specific arguments they make?
2: Well, in order to get the full picture, you have to go back in time a bit, as this debate has been ongoing for a while. We hear M. Césaire's quote in the beginning. He was a poet, author, and for 56 years, mayor of Fort-de-France on the Caribbean island of Martinique. He argues that loaded art promotes the objectification of people from the African continent, through stereotypes, and that there exists the danger of Africa forgetting and thus objectifying itself. Consequently, according to him, the African continent should avoid seeing itself through the eyes of others. Another famous post colonial thinker, Edward Said, claims that, I quote, the power to narrate or to block other narratives from forming and emerging is very important to culture and imperialism and constitutes one of the main connections between them. What he means is that former colonial western countries have monopolized the narrative by contextualizing looted art in their own way and in their own museums. Thereby imperialism is reproduced and maintained by former colonial states who are the only protagonists and just the writers of history. Additionally, he argues that it is problematic to exhibit foreign pieces of art, especially without context, because we are not aware of the cultural categories that are incorporated.
1: Thank you for those elaborations. I was wondering, are there any post-colonial voices today? And if yes, what is your argument based upon in the current discussion?
3: There is indeed, in fact, they build upon the arguments made by these great thinkers just mentioned. For instance, Divya Tolia Kelly, a scientist, describes museums as theaters of pain, since these are the places where epistemic violence, genocide, and deadening of artifacts materialize. I quote her, when I say that museums become a mausoleum of the European eye, but it petrifies living cultures. This can be seen in the Maori visiting the British Museum, when they, as the racialized other, encounter themselves in the museum. She also criticizes the way in which museums are read as texts, disembodied and removed from the communities which are represented in these museums. Another example of a current post-colonial voice is Susan Sontag. She describes our imagination rooted in our Western perception of the world, of the other, is interlinked with how we think that we can possess the world by collecting human remains and exhibiting them. Zontag focuses on the harm of photography, but you can easily transfer this to other forms of portraying in museums. To photograph people is to violate them, by seeing them as they never see themselves, by having knowledge of them that they can never have. It turns people into objects that can be symbolically possessed." Quote end. From her point of view, one might start to wonder about the difference between former human zoos in Europe and some museums
2: in Europe today. Last but not least, for the sake of preemptiveness, you also have to mention the numerous people t- taking the other side who argue that after all, there is nothing wrong with the artifacts from former colonies being in Europe today, since they were brought here legally, under laws of the system back in the day, and so on. Obviously, this appears to be a weak claim. How could something ever be legal or just under violent, exploitative, suppressive and authoritarian rule like colonialism.
1: Thank you very much for your contributions up to this point. I believe that by now all of us should have a solid theoretical background. In our next part, we'll therefore be diving into discussion between the different stakeholders on restitution, provenance research, and claims on looted art from countries today who suffered under colonialism.
0: In Europe, ethnographic objects were given a date as if they had been orphaned and needed to be parented anew, founded on when they were acquired, purchased or even looted, but not when they were originally produced. Clementine Deleuze, Collecting Life's Unknowns.
1: Today we're talking about looted art from a colonial perspective. So far, we've discussed what we mean when we refer to looted art, briefly talked about German's colonial history, and outlined some of the most important theoretical arguments in the debate. However, this leaves us wondering about the following issue. If colonial powers obviously took the art while they were authoritarian and brutally governing the colonies, they should just give it back, right?
3: Unfortunately, what might look kind of clear-cut on paper is not in practice, since beneath the apparently quite simple question lie a whole lot of other issues, such as answering the question of provenance, possible claims for reparations, and the mere fact of asymmetric power relations.
1: I see. So what position does the German government take, then?
3: So, in Germany, for years, the issue has been either completely ignored or pushed into the future. However, the unexpected report commissioned by Macron now mounts the public pressure on the German government to follow suit. Macron's move to return 26 statues from the palaces of Abomey, after several urges from Benin lawmakers only adds to this. There exist several reasons why Germany has not taken a clear stance. On the one hand, there has been a lack of any political urgency. In contrast to the Nazi regime and Holocaust, the German colonial period seems to be a blind spot in the German culture of remembrance, which is, as mentioned above, underlined by the lack of recognition of the genocide against the Herrera. On the other hand, one of the arguments which has often been raised is the fact that cultural politics is organized on the federal level. In this regard, the federal state of Baden-Württemberg, which returned two artifacts to Namibia last year, might be a positive example. Nevertheless, it is quite telling that during the debate, the politicians who were against this argued that there needs to be a decision on the national level first. So so far, a working group is supposed to be established on the national level this year. However, this does not and should not prevent setting a target on the top level of government or the legislative. In light of the opening of the Humboldt Forum, Monika Grütters, Minister of State for Culture, has argued that Just waiting passively for someone to want something back is not the way to reconcile our colonial past, which might be the first sign of a shift in German cultural policy. One of the measures she's willing to take is providing more funding for provenance research, which could be a start and, according to her view, should lead to an act of restitution. However, there still seems to be a really long way to go.
1: How can we look at the debate from a non-European perspective? How do African experts interpret and analyze the issue?
2: I'm glad to mention this. Well, many African experts blame the fact that the public debates focus so much on the European perspective. The main protagonists which act and react on the topic are not the African museums, but the European museums themselves. So, for instance, what emerged from the interviews with museum and art experts conducted by the German journalist Werner Bloch in Tanzania is the fact that many of them feel betrayed for not being involved in the discussion. The statement of Flower Manases, head of the historical and the pedagogical department of the National Museum in Tanzania, can be seen as representative of this. In an interview with him, she mentioned that nobody actually asked what Africans really want. In her opinion, it is crucial to put the African perspective at the center of the looted art dispute. It is also for this reason that she's planning to transform the National Museum into a research center focusing on African art and history. Nevertheless, some important questions remain still open. How does the younger African generation feel about it? How does Africa want to proceed? Those are some fundamental questions which yet have to be answered.
1: Those are indeed very important questions that need to be addressed. Gesa, what do African experts think about the restitution debate?
2: Just like the European
3: context, opinions are divided. Some want immediate restitutions, others don't. The discussion also revolves around which items should be restituted and how the process itself should look like. So, for instance, one of the respondents to the aforementioned interview series emphasizes that before talking about restitutions, The Tanzanian people need to restore their history and culture first. In a way, colonialism made Africans believe that they were worth nothing as colonists dehumanized and took away everything from them. The African people thus often lost faith and trust in themselves. As a consequence of this brutal oppression, many Africans still believe today that they are inferior to the European culture. However, the support of the government to revert this development is still lacking.
1: Thank you for those insights, Gesa. Very interesting indeed. Now let's turn towards the keepers of looted art, notably the museum directors. The Humboldt Forum, as well as other well-known art museums all over Europe, were highly criticized in the last years for exhibiting items that were most likely looted in colonial times. Activists from civil society and academia stimulated a public debate about restitution of stolen artifacts and the question of provenance research, but so far, this is... This did not seem to have a lot of impact on museums. This led the art uh, historian Savoy to describe the Humboldt Forum and its artifacts as buried like nuclear waste so that no radiation gets out. The Humboldt Forum is like Chernobyl. I'm wondering, though, how do European and especially German museum directors defend their position?
2: Well, Especially after the publication of Fervin Sar and Bendix Savoy's restitution report, European museums directors saw themselves forced to engage with the question of restitution, following different lines of argumentation. Let me just give you some examples of museum directors and how they are trying to defend their institutions and artefacts. So, for instance, there is the example of Guido Grisals, director of the African Museum in Tavouren in Belgium. In an interview with journalist Thomas Kirchner, he declared to be open for a dialogue with those African museums, which have a good museum infrastructure. However, at the same time, he suggested that museums, such as the ones in Congo, neither have the needed infrastructure, nor do they possess any conservation and restoration facilities. Instead, he therefore wants to focus on provenance research in order to understand where the artifacts come from And how they found their way into European museums. Furthermore, he points out the need to establish a legal framework and to decide who is legitimated to ask for restitutions, as the actors and stakeholders are, in his view, not identified yet.
1: Your example concerns Belgium, but how do German museums discuss the issue?
2: Hmm, If we look at Germany, the arguments used by the directors are often very similar. Hermann Partziger, director of the foundation Preußischer Kulturbesitz, stated in an interview with journalist Nicola Kuhn that, I quote, I see the dispute about the colonial heritage in the Humboldt Forum as a great chance to develop new forms of cooperation with the countries of provenance. For them, it is more about recognition than about restitution. Like his Belgian colleague, he wants to put focus on the clarification of the origins of the art collections. On the other hand, the founding director of the Humboldt Forum, Horst Bredekamp, in an interview with Deutschlandfunk Kultur calls for a different treatment of German collections. In his view, many collections that can be found in German museums are children of Germany's spirit of enlightenment, the so-called Aufklärungsgeist. The conditions of the collections are, I quote, attached to the best German traditions and can therefore, according to him, not be compared to the collections of the big European colonial powers. Yeah, those were just a few examples. I hope I, can, I could give you a brief overview.
1: Yes, it def- definitely did. Thank you for that. However, as we've mentioned before, the discussion isn't limited to academia, museum directors and governments. Gesa, who are the most important individuals and other groups active in the debate on looted art?
3: Active is the key word here. There are many groups of activists working on making the problem of looted art visible.
1: Tell us more about them. What kind of alternative ways do they use to raise attention to this issue?
3: One of the most hyped projects in Berlin at the moment is called No Humboldt 21. It has developed an opposition to the Humboldt Forum and it has in fact been initiated by an organization called Berlin Postcolonial. They tried to raise awareness around post-colonial issues by, for instance, changing the names of streets, like renaming the Gröbenufer to Mai-Ajimufer. While Otto Friedrich von der Gröben was a Prussian colonial pioneer, Mai-Ajim was an Afro-German poet, educator, and activist. Furthermore, Berlin Postcolonial has teamed up with some other organizations, like the Initiative Schwarzer Menschen in Deutschland, so the Initiative of Black People in Germany, and has published an open letter to Angela Merkel.
1: What did they point out?
3: So, first of all, they see Macron's actions as a reminder to German politicians that the problem still exists. The process has started and it shouldn't be stopped. The letter also stresses the dimensions of looted art. I quote Berlin Postkolonial now. The number of African artifacts in the major ethnological museums of North America and Europe is so high that more than 90% of all cultural treasures have never been shown. The amount of human remains from Africa is so great that, according to the museums, even 100 years after the acquisition, it has still not been possible to determine where and how they came into the collections.
1: According to them, then, what should be the role of the German government in dealing with this problem?
3: So the German government plays a decisive role, and against the background of not only the vast number of lo- looted <laughs> Sorry... And against the background of not only the vast number of looted cultural treasures, but also the infamous Berlin Conference, one might find it hard to argue against the point of view that Germany still has a pretty big debt to pay off.
1: Are there any other projects managed by Berlin Postcolonial?
3: Yes, there are. Earlier, we have described Berlin Postcolonial as activists, but they might also be seen as a very academic alike. For instance, in 2017, they've co-organized the Prussian colonial heritage, sacred objects and human remains in Berlin Museums Conference. The result was a set of suggestions as to how to deal with a looted art problem.
1: Very interesting. Could you give us any examples of those?
3: So, let me choose the most interesting ones. So, for instance, they demanded the establishment of an easily accessible central research and information center, which should collect and share information about all collections in and from Germany, containing sacred objects and human remains. Another idea is the provision of an easily accessible, thorough and truthful description of the origin of all sacred and other cultural objects to be displayed in the Humboldt Forum in the reconstructed Berlin Palace, which should be written in German, English, French and Spanish. Furthermore, one should inform and invite members of the source communities to discuss publicly the future of sacred and other cultural objects in Berlin collections.
1: Wow, activists seem to work in a very organized way. Let me ask you, Victoria, do you know anything about the background?
2: Yeah, sure. Those activists are mainly people in Germany coming from affected countries and communities or people who are active in other related groups. The situation in Germany is different to, for example, Australia, where indigenous leaders fight for return of relics from the British Museum. They have to deal with the fact that the relics were supposed to be lent to Australia and to be taken back to the UK again.
1: Activists are known for their unconventional approaches. Occupying buildings, starting strikes are very common examples. Are there any activists who are trying to draw the public attention towards the issue of looted art in a particular
2: creative way? Yeah, there's a great example of Alice Proctor, who is an Australian activist dealing with museums. She has been offering a so-called uncomfortable art tours during which she describes the role of colonialism and imperialism. Unfortunately, we haven't heard of any imitations in Germany. But the discussion of looted art pieces is still going on, so we should keep looking.
1: This sounds fascinating. I'll definitely be up for taking part in one of those.
0: Offen von Rückgaben zu sprechen heißt von Gerechtigkeit, von der Wiederherstellung eines Gleichgewichts, von Anerkennung, von Reparation zu sprechen, vor allem aber einen Weg zu eröffnen in Richtung neuer kultureller Kontakte, die auf einer neu gedachten Ethik der Beziehungen ruht. To talk openly about restitution means talking about justice, about the recreation of balance, about recognition, about reparations, and foremost, to talk about opening up a new path for a new cultural contact based on a new ethics of relations. SAR and Savoy 2018.
1: Unfortunately, time is almost over and we have to come to the end of our podcast about looted art from colonial times and the surrounding debate on restitution, other issues. I guess I speak for all participants of this project when I say that this has been very insightful and personally, I've got to know the many voice and arguments out there. And despite many barriers which still need to be overcome, we feel like there has been and still is a lot of momentum and discussion over the last month, which makes me hopeful to us. The arguments made by Saint-Savoy appear to be the most promising in terms of how to restitute parts of looted art in a regulated, slow and well thought out process. So let's end our podcast with a look on the roadmap that these two have laid out for France, but which could be copied by other countries as well.
3: So... First, they say inventories of museums should be digitalized and made public and inventories should be handed over to every affected country in a festive ceremony, just like Berlin post also suggested. Second, particularly symbolic objects where the origin is clear should be restituted quickly and in a festive ceremony. In the next phase, museums and state governments from the postcolonial countries start a dialogue over what they want to restitute or not. This process should not have a time limit. The goal is to make it play out in a sensible, organized and dignified manner, step by step. There will be no empty museums in Europe at the end of this restitution process, but there will be museums in the post colonies exhibiting their own art that was unjustly taken from them.
1: At the beginning of the podcast, we set out to give a voice to the silenced. If the next time you go to a museum, maybe even the Humboldt Forum, you're trying to listen to those silenced, we have reached our goal. Thank you for joining us here today and thank you to you, Victoria and Gesa, for discussing with me.
3: Thank you. Bye. Bye.